Tommy Halloran, DaleWileyShow.com. So now, am I talking to Tommy Halloran? Yes, this is me, Tommy Halloran. <laughs> okay. And so anyway, how did you first get into screen music? Um, you know, I, I should tell you now that you, your phone line is breaking up an awful lot. I'm having a hard time hearing you. What was okay, the question? Again. Okay. What, how did you first get interested in music? How did I first get interested in music? Yes. Wow. Well, I mean, I guess probably was a little kid, you know, listening to my dad's records. He had Preservation Preservation Hall Jazz Band with Sweet Emma at the piano. So I remember listening to Ice Cream um, and, you know, uh, all of the great, New Orleans standards when I was a little kid, right. but ice cream in particular, ice cream, you scream, we all scream, but ice cream, right. that song <laughs> with uh, Big Jim Robinson on the trombone. That was okay. probably it. You know, I remember listening to those records and just being completely enthralled and captivated by the music and the album covers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. so what were some early ones? The same list? Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in St. Louis and in Kirkwood, so I um, I grew up there. And my parents are not musical. Nobody in the family was musical. My dad had some cool records, and um, right. and we would listen to those. And then I got really interested in um, music, particularly rap music, when I was in uh, elementary school and junior high school, and I started a couple rap bands. <laughs> With a guy in, in the neighborhood, and we made a couple albums. You know, we recorded. They weren't records, but we recorded tapes and gave them to our friends, and it was exciting. And then after a couple of years, um, when I was 15, my older brother started to learn the drums from a kid in the neighborhood. Um, and then they started jamming, and I wanted to get in on playing real instruments. So I got okay. a guitar. I got a guitar when I was 15 and started, started, you know, teaching myself and learning from the other right. kids in the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, and that was it. And I, yeah, go on. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I wasn't, you know, I was such a beginner and um, I had already had a couple of years writing my own songs for the rap band. So I thought that I would just write my own songs for the guitar too. I know a lot of, a lot of people, when they learn the guitar, they learn songs by other people. But I didn't do that for a very long time um, because I, A, didn't have the skills, <laughs> and B, didn't have anybody showing me how to do that stuff, yes. and C, I just really wanted to do my own thing. Yeah. Well, that is very unusual in a different way than most people have heard it. But so what was the music you were hearing? What was the music that influenced you? Well, I have older sisters, and so they were in their teenage years in the 80s, and so I was listening to really whatever they thought was cool, which at the time was Susie and the Banshees and the Dead Milkmen and The Cure and the Thompson Twins and a lot of the 80s um, British pop stuff. And then um, very much American music from the 80s, all of the hair bands and the big rock and roll stuff. Like, I never really liked that. I never really did. I liked the Britpop, you know, and I liked <laughs> rap, but that was it. Uh-huh. And then when then when I was 16, 
uh, I've discovered the band called The Specials, which was uh, oh, yeah. 70s, yeah, 70s and 80s ska band. And that Love just that. really turned everything upside down for me. And I, I fell in love with Jamaican music and started writing that stuff and formed a ska band and had ska bands in high school. Yeah. Well, was, and so, I mean, when you're getting there, that's how kind of you get your sound is just all the different things to get there. Rap and everything else. I I figure it all all has to play in there somehow. You know, I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> exactly, uh-huh. but you know, you would be hard pressed to find the rap influence in in many of my songs. You know, I think <laughs> I think the bigger influence it had on me was that I was able to start writing songs before I played right. an instrument. You know, so I thought you know there was no reason not to write songs when I did start playing an instrument. Well, yeah. that is fantastic. And you developed quite a fan base around St. Louis. And so tell me about what's up for you now. What's going on now? Well, <clears throat> since the pandemic, things have been really, really, really difficult right. to, um, to to keep going, to keep to keep working, basically. Um, right. And at, in June, you know, near the beginning, I... Uh, fell off of my skateboard and broke my wrist and hand pretty badly. Yeah, it's been a real bummer, and I have recovered somewhat, but um, I do not have... um, I don't have the same skills that I used to have, you know, the same ability. Yeah, and my hand is still... It still hurts. You know, I'm still dealing with a lot of pain. When I play guitar in particular, it causes swelling and Sure. and you know so right now honestly i'm not really playing much guitar or performing very much uh i say that but i played this past weekend friday and saturday and i'm playing on wednesday and i'm playing this friday too so there are still gigs and i'm still taking them um sure but when i do it it causes a lot of actual physical pain the next day uh, i wake up and my hand hurts real bad so well, as a, yeah no, go ahead. I mean, this is why we're starting the project. Yeah, as of now, I, I don't have a lot of, um, I don't know, I'm, I feel pretty pretty worried about the future as far as the music scene with the pandemic and everything, and then also with my own with my own hand problems, which yeah. is sad. It's a bummer, because I've spent like the past, you know, 30 years doing music. Music has been my whole identity, you know, so... To to be forced out of that is a is a real bummer, you know. Well, that's I think a lot of musicians. Project but, of starting the musical map and everything else is just to help musicians during this time specifically. You know, we really want to help people and want to have more ability and more platforms to help musicians, and so that's what we're starting. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I was. Watching the news the other day, or commercial, or something came on talking about essential workers, and I thought back to a conversation I'd had with um, my bass player in high school. (laughs) We were sitting on his back patio, smoking cigarettes, and talking about art and culture and politics. And he said that when the art goes away, that's when the whole civilization collapses. Right. Right. And and I um 
I think about that now, and I worry about where we are as country, where we are as an entire culture, you know, a human culture, yeah. where we're in a place where the arts are suffering more than they have in generations. And I worry about what that will do to us as a civilization, you know, if art is actually critical for us as a species, which it seems to be because we can't help but make it, you know, when we get into a, a place where we can't make it, there must be some suffering that results, right. I would think. Yeah. I know I'm I'm suffering. <laughs> I think a lot of us are. No, 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 that that's what I want to hear. You know, I just want to hear your experience during the pandemic is this it's a very different deal and then to have broken your breast too, that would be terrible. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is terrible. On the other hand, it was kind of great that it happened during the pandemic because there wasn't any work to lose out on anyway, you know. If there ever was a time to have a terrible hand injury, this was the time to do it. And I should say that I have not stopped skateboarding. You know, I have broke my wrist skateboarding, but I'm not going to give up skateboarding because I love skateboarding, you know, like I love guitar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're only here once. Mine is skate till the end. You know, and Lauren Ritter is a big fan of your latest song, and tell me about that. I'm sorry? What about the latest song, the the vibe song? The latest uh, song? Well, the one that she is just such a big fan of, and specifically asked you if that could be used for the project. Oh, 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 the song, The Afternoon Project. Right, exactly. Yes, okay. Right. Tell okay. Me song. song day afternoon. That project is it was okay. So before YouTube was even a thing, really, and right. everybody and Facebook wasn't really a thing except for students. Everybody was on MySpace, sure. and at that time, I wanted to start. I started a project called Kitchen Music, where okay. I invited. Songwriters I knew from the scene to come over to my apartment and record one song in my kitchen on uh-huh. videotape. And then I uploaded it to MySpace and it was, that was it. It was just uh-huh. people playing one song that they wrote in my kitchen. Sure. And I, I did 24, 25, and then it sort of just fizzled because it was pretty hard to do. Yes. And then after, you know, 10 years passed, I thought, you know, that was pretty cool. I'd like to do that again. Uh, and my friend Will Wander, who is a host over at KDHX and had actually bought the old KDHX building, um, was getting involved with video stuff, too, and audio stuff. And so he and I decided to put our heads together and create this project, Song Day Afternoon, where we would have songwriters come to his building, the previous KDHX building. The old KDHX in South City. And Uh and to shoot one original song there and to put all of these songs on onto YouTube and onto Facebook. And so we did that and we made I don't know, a hundred twenty something of these, I think, before we had to give up for myriad reasons. More with Tommy Halloran after a minute. DaleWileyShow.com Do you love music? 
Do you know about the musical map of Missouri? Dallas Wayne, Chuck Berry, Dave Alvin, Robbie Folks, The Skeletons, The Ozark Mountain Daredevils, Uncle Tupelo, Wayne Carson, Nellie, Blue Whitney, Symptoms Morales, City, Jeff City, St. Louis, St. Joe, Columbia, Buffalo, The Bible Belt, the Studio on South Avenue in Springfield, 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 Missouri. Add the Missouri Music Podcast to your list of favorites. Lawyer, author, and Slewfoot Records label owner Dale Wiley takes you on a musical trip around Missouri while raising funds for Musical Map of Missouri, a nonprofit organization which will help ensure Missouri musicians affected by COVID-19. Visit MissouriMusicPodcast.com for more information. Tune in to the Missouri Music Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. More with Tommy Halloran, DaleWileyShow.com. But we made we made 120 some odd music videos, all original music, all St. Louis songwriters and performers, with the exception of one guy from Alaska. He was very cool. He was in town and he came over and did one. And it was great. So we did that, just trying to archive not only the scene, but songs, you know, I think that the songs, I, I'm really interested in songwriting. And I think that the songs people write are not only indicative of what's happening in their lives, but what's happening in our entire culture, you know? And I think you can, you know, if you, a snapshot of all the songs being written in America, you get, boom, you know, you get a pretty clear picture of who we are as a people. And I think that, you know, 120 some videos is a, pretty good picture you know if you look at the entire project as songwriting um you get not only 120 some odd songwriters but you get an idea of who st louis is and who america is and who these you know who artists are well so who is st louis tell me that (laughs) (laughs) we have a great newspaper columnist here um named bill mcclellan And and he said we were the only city that ever built a monument to the people who left, <laughs> the gateway to the arch. You know, you, they came through St. Louis on their way to California, on their way to Oregon. Um, and I think that in many ways that is true. St. Louis doesn't feel so much as a, a way stop, but we we see ourselves as maybe an insignificant city, maybe an underdog, a permanent underdog. Right. And uh, we, we've been sort of overlooked in the history and the story of music, you know, when people talk about American history, the history of American music, talk about Nashville and New Orleans, and Chicago and New York, and that's kind of it. You know what? People will even talk about Seattle and they'll talk about Athens, Georgia before they talk about St. Louis. But St. Louis, I mean, Jesus Christ, our hockey team is named the St. Louis Blues, you know, which was like the most popular song ever, you know, when it, when it was, when it was, you know, just available on sheet music. Right. So we are a city that is at once completely immersed and totally, totally captivated by and just making music. We are, we are a music town, particularly right. blues. Um, but on the other hand, we are the town that thinks that, you know, we're not even worth mentioning, sort of, exactly. you know. It's, and it's, that's it's, why I want to start this project, because I think that, that is, you know, being involved in the things that I've done, I think that 
Missouri music is so influential and so important, and that's what I want to talk about. And talking about Missouri, that 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 widens it up a whole bunch. Now, Dale, your name is very familiar to me, Dale Wiley. I ran Slewfoot record label in, in South. What was it called? Slewfoot. Oh, Dale, we had spoken yeah. before. <laughs> because I used to work for Dan Thompson at Blue Sky Distribution. Oh yes, that's exactly right. We so yes, I I did, and so that was actually a very influential time in my life too. Yeah, because I was exposed to Lou Whitney and Skeletons yeah. and the Morales, <laughs> and you know everything you had going on. You had Big Smith too, right? Did you have Big Smith? We don't. We did not have Big Smith, but we did a lot of the bands, the Domino Kings. And so many yes. that's why I want to get this thing done is, you know, I actually, it's just a love of all the music that Missouri has to offer. And it's an awful lot. A lot of it comes out of that Springfield vicinity, particularly with what you were doing there. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it's just like, I just love that. I just love like being able to take a step back and just realize how many wonderful things there are in this area and in this state entirely. It's true. There's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> I, I think that actually, if you were, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm just, what am I trying to say here? St. Louis is also different than the rest of the state. Right. And I think that, um, I think that St. Louis needs the influence of the rest of the state. You know, I think that there's there's wonderful music um, coming out of Columbia and and shoot out. I, I don't know where music's coming out of these days. You know, everything's on the internet now. What's right. that? Just everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. And it's all kinds too. Yes, exactly, and. That's one of the things that I think is so important is just like not only cataloging, not only cataloging the past music, but talking about the music and talking about the people making it today. And that's what I think is so cool. Yeah. Now, are you a player yourself too? I play a little bit, but I'm much more a fan of music. Much more of a fan. Right on. I think if I were to classify myself, I would say I'm much more of a fan too. <laughs> I play guitar all the time, you know, but I, you know, really, I'm much more of a fan. Yeah. That's where it's now going. I have. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. There's um, yeah, good. <laughs> I feel like I tell you about my little brother now too. Well, please do. Yes. He does not live here in St. Louis um, okay. anymore. His name is Charlie. He okay. went to Webster University here and got his undergrad in trombone. And then he studied up at Eastman School of Music in Rochester. Right. And then he came back and was playing, you know, $50 gigs with me and my friends around here for a few months uh -huh. before he decided, the hell with this. I'm going to New Orleans <laughs> where trombone players are treated like astronauts. And... <laughs> And so he went down there and, you know, became a very, very, very successful trombone player in New Orleans. He won a Grammy with John Cleary. Wow. He's been nominated Best Trombone Player in New Orleans like every year that he's lived there. Or 
right. something crazy. You know, he's just a remarkable musician. And he does uh, come back up to St. Louis and he plays here somewhat. It's funny, though, because he has a hard time getting a legitimate, uh, getting legit jazz gigs up here in St. Louis. Right. The dude is like seriously the greatest trombone player <laughs> in the world, but he but they won't give him the gig at Jazz at the Bistro for some reason. So there's wow. there's also some perverse you know politics to St. Louis. Yeah, uh, absolutely which is disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, but like I mean, that's one thing that I just think is so important is just all the different people. And now, so I need to know what was your dad's record collection? This is really cool stuff. What's that? I'm sorry, my, the phone was breaking up during that. What was that? Okay, tell me about how your dad influenced both of you then. <laughs> um, well, my dad had those good records. Right. He had some good records. He had he had a Preservation Hall Jazz Band and right. a bunch of Ray Charles, and he told me once that when Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band came out, he stopped liking the Beatles. Okay. <laughs> so when I was a kid growing up, we did not listen to, we really didn't listen to music after like 1965, right. except for what my sisters were into. But my parents were like, no, no, you know, Beatles were cool up until like, you know, up until <laughs> Sgt. Pepper's, you know? Right. And then they were also extremely um, conservative and dogmatic uh, Christians. And they got swept up in the Jesus movement that was very anti-rock and roll. And so when we did go out, when my older brother did buy an ACDC cassette tape and hide (laughs) it, you know, my dad found it and broke it in half, you know. And, And they sent us to schools. I learned in school that rock and roll is of the devil, that sting is satanic. I learned this in the same <laughs> classrooms where you learn arithmetic, you know? And so the influence from my parents was also, this old music is very good, but rock and roll is bad and evil and of the devil. <laughs> Which I think, I, you know, I, I struggle because I'm, I, I, on the one hand, I'm mad at my parents for teaching that because that's absolute bullshit. And on the other hand, like, I'm so happy because I never went through a phase where I ever thought that, like, big hair rock and roll and, the, like, yeah. the, you know, the, the bad rock and roll of the 70s and the 80s was legitimate right. music. You know, it's it's just it's just bad <laughs> rock and roll. Um, and I should say this, that when I express my opinions, I think that music is entirely subjective. And I think that if if music sounds good to you, then it is good in the same way that if broccoli tastes good to you, then it is good. And nobody can tell you different, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I will say that this bit, this band's bad and that music's terrible, but really <laughs> that's just my own opinion. And my opinion is only and applicable to me. That makes so right. much sense. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for joining me today to talk about music. I loved it. Great, Dale. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yes, absolutely. Talk to you later. DaleWileyShow.com.